Hello, my beautiful loves, and welcome to the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you are new here, it is so good to have you. And if you have been a listener for the show for a while now, welcome, welcome back. This is episode 243 with the beautiful Carrie Azuma, where we are going to be diving deep into motherhood as a rite of passage. Since 2010, Carrie has been blessed to coach board members of influential companies, entrepreneurs, coaches, and leaders in the health and wellness world. It wasn't until suffering from postpartum depression and a full-blown identity crisis after the birth of her son in 2015 that she decided to dedicate her life's work to coaching mothers on leadership development and overcoming stress and overwhelm through powerful self-realization. She works with mothers through social media, private sessions, and her elite group coaching model, Empowered Mothers Alliance. I love that name. Her latest love endeavor, Threshold, is a retreat that was born from her roots and rite of passage work. This immersive in-person experience allows mothers to powerfully reclaim their identity through releasing shame, expectations, and lineage patterns, freeing themselves to design the lives of their choosing as women and mothers. Through Carrie's work with mothers and expecting mothers, she hopes to fulfill on her mission to create a legacy of empowered moms leading the next seven generations. Oh, what we talk about in this podcast episode, of course, is motherhood as a rite of passage, how motherhood is a portal for moving from primarily masculine energy into the feminine, experiencing anger as a mother, and the topic of grief. And lastly, of course, we cannot forget about self-forgiveness. I coach a lot of mothers myself. A lot of mothers come to my retreats. I'm surrounded by mothers. And there's this huge gap, I think, in what I've noticed for mothers and and podcasts and conversations and and more specifically the topic of being angry as a mother being angry at your kids for not doing what you want them to do being angry at being a mother being angry at life as a mother and dealing with needing to forgive yourself for not being the perfect mother this is something that comes up so often in my coaching sessions so often at my retreats and so often just in conversation that's around me And so I knew it was time to bring this conversation onto the podcast, and this will not be the only one. I definitely have the intention and desire to bring more mothers on here to talk about how these deal, they deal with these very real life expectations and uh, societal expectations and the ones they put on themselves and how they move through it. And Carrie is just such a beautiful, beautiful soul, and I loved our conversation. We recorded this I would say now about a month ago, maybe even a little bit more, and I'm so happy we're finally here to share it, to put it live. The only thing I want to mention before we dive on in is, number one, today's sponsor of the show is Audible, and the three books that I want to recommend today, one, The Red Tent, we're talking all about motherhood and lineage and the mother maiden crone um, cycle of a woman's life, so If you are interested in diving deep into sisterhood and womanhood and the the rites of passage of being a woman, you want to go deeper, go get The Red Tent. It is such an amazing book and 
there are even movements now where women have circles called the red tent and I don't know exactly what all they do sometimes I guess they gather together and they wear red and it's symbolic for the time when women bleed together because the red tent the book will tell you all about this beautiful ritual so I suggest go get the red tent Um, but two other very non-related books to motherhood (laughs) that I wanted to include in here that I would recommend uh, to the subtle art of not giving an f the subtle art of not giving a fuck and three, Essentialism. All amazing books. So if you want to get a free book, yes, you can do that, a free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com slash mindbodymusings. That'll let them know you came from the podcast and you will get a free book in 30 days of trying out Audible. And last but not least, The Feminine Surrender of May is coming up. If you would like to apply, you can go to maddiemoon.com slash events. Fill out that application and I will get back to you with a few questions to dive a little bit deeper and then we may hop on the phone to slow down even more. But I would love to have you at one of my upcoming feminine surrender retreats, if not the May one, then another one. So you might as well send in your application now so you get on the radar and you will be reached out to whenever the next one comes up. Okay, that's all I want to share today. I'm just so delighted to be talking about motherhood with Carrie. So let's go head on over to the Mind Body Musings podcast. Welcome back to the Mind Body Musings podcast. I am so thrilled to be talking about the divine feminine from the perspective of motherhood today because this is a conversation that I think is incredibly needed because we can talk about the divine feminine all day, right? And being in this flow and being energy and showing up as an open-hearted spirit with love. But then whenever you go into this chapter of motherhood, I'm sure it comes with so many different trials and Um, challenges of learning how to remain open and then deal with the pressures of being a perfect mother and the pressures and and what I hear a lot about is guilt and then postpartum um, effects and learning how to be in this feminine energy that's already sometimes a struggle in this hustle and masculine focused world but then do it as a mother. So today on the podcast We are bringing on Carrie Azuma to talk all about this. I've just been eating up her Instagram and her website and all of the goodness that she has to share about this perspective in motherhood. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Carrie. Oh, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm I'm really honored and happy to be asked. I always love supporting the mamas, that's for sure. So right (laughs) now, this is you're pregnant with what number of child? Number two. Number two. Oh, that's so exciting. And was um, this baby planned? She was. She's a she. Um, Yeah, we we did plan her. We actually planned both of our pregnancies. So we, you know, we kind of just got lucky and and got pregnant very quickly the first time and 
sort of quickly the second time. It took us about five months. But, yeah, she was very, uh, very welcome, and we were really excited. That's amazing. Well, congratulations. I am Thank so excited you. for you. And I'm sure that's going to make this interview even more um, intuitive and in-depth because you got all those like sparkly mama um, <laughs> powers probably brewing in your body right now in pregnancy. Oh, yeah. There's lots of lots of things, very, lots of feels, lots of uh, magical, mystical things that <laughs> come through with pregnancy for sure. Mm. So before we go into your story and how you got to where you are today, that beloved question, um, mm-hmm. the first thing I want to ask you is something I ask all my guests, and that is what are you currently musing about in life? Mm, I love that question. Wow. Thank you. Because um, it just like, you know, it's not like a, it's not a niche question. <laughs> it's like me. What am I musing mm-hmm, about? Exactly. Um, well, you know, I there's so I feel like there's so many things that have come up at this time for me uh, as far as musing goes. <laughs> um, but mostly, it's it's really about you know a lot of it really is about motherhood. It's kind of an obsession of mine, and. Um, this new, this new question of trust for me, um, because the rites of passage work that I've gotten into with motherhood uh, is really a new conversation that is not really out there so much. And I'm actually been having, um, you know, I'm jumping on anything I can to really relay what this means for women to have an actual threshold marked to transition into a new identity as a woman. And there's so much trust involved in that. And I think I've just been playing with trust in so many ways. And and I've been kind of playing a game with it. You know, like, how can I trust being in my next labor? Because my first one was really rough. And how can I trust, um, you know, finances? And how can I trust that the path I've chosen to coach mothers now is, is, you know, like my true path, even, even though I feel it? Like, how can I really deepen into that trust and not force, you know? So trust has really been up for me as far as like what I've been playing with in every domain in my life, my marriage, everywhere. And um, I feel like that's been sort of like my deepening of my spiritual life lately, just kind of being into that conversation. Maybe sounds simple, but it's kind of a big one for me. What would you say is your edgiest point of trust right now? Which one stretches you and challenges you the most and what does that process of trust look like because it can be different you know for some people it's about talking it out all the time for some people it's about meditating with it and then just letting it come and go throughout their their brains for some people it's an action plan what does that trust in the edgiest place for you look like whenever you're actively trusting slash letting go yeah, great question. I mean, so right now it's a very specific thing for me, and that's giving birth again. And that is requiring so much of like daily energy, actually, for me because of the experience I had the first time at birth. And I ended up having a C-section, started with the home birth, and this time I'm going back home to do it again and doing a, a, a V-back, which is vaginal birth after cesarean. And, um, and the first time the reason I transferred is my body didn't open, you know, like everything was kind of available, but I wasn't trusting my body. And I, there, and that's a really deep, interesting connection with, the, with a woman who 
I feel, you know, is supposed to be able to, right? Like supposed to uh, birth and have it just be something natural. But for me, there was like such a fight and there wasn't a lot of surrender. So I've been pretty much triggered since I've gotten pregnant. It took me a long time to decide even to be pregnant again and have been in this walk of trust. And ironically, Threshold, the retreat that I've launched for a mother's um, that is really, really deep and, and personal retreat that I was, you know, really wanting to do for a long time has been birthed at the same time. I, I launched the first one in Australia in November and, and I'm doing another one in February in this in California and it's been like both things have been birthed in the same year so I'm really walking like a lot of trust right now with just knowing like okay the right people will show up the right resources will show up the right everything will show up for these retreats to be given gifted to the world and same with my body so it's almost like this amazing parallel that's happening between my work and and giving birth to this next baby and I have a lot of fear that I'm constantly working through every day and just working into like, how can I surrender? How can I, um, you know, be with the sensation of birth in a totally new way? And so those are the two lines of trust that I've been walking really these last, you know, six months that have been really profound. So that's been my practice, really just being with those two things. Mm. I admire the freedom of expression in this story, just sharing it so openly and, I like I I know the I can imagine I'm assuming and imagining that there might have been a period where there was some frustration and friction around being a speaker about motherhood and opening and surrendering and then that happening in the first birth and yes no maybe yeah definitely yes. <laughs> yeah. and so I just I love that you're so open and sharing it rather than saying you know just I opened and and this is what happened instead I had a c-section but I still opened like you are so open about the closure because I mean we are all human doing the best we can in every moment and we teach often what is the most true and vulnerable to us and that's what makes people the best teachers is because they're so open about what their truth is and not so consumed with what others think about it. And so I just want to take a second to admire you and acknowledge you for being open about that. And it brings me so much like, ah, like I just I trust you. And like, I love hearing your story yeah. around this. And it's just really beautiful. Also the parallel, of course, with the retreat. I host retreats as well. And so I know the absolute level of trust that must go in from the beginning. It has mm -hmm. to be all in. It can't be half in. And it's a whole process of filling them out and getting the right people. And right. and it, it, it requires, even whenever things look like shaky, still a 110% commitment level till the very, very end. And then you go to the, the what's now in case it doesn't work or it does work, works out great. Like there's always just in 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 until something doesn't feel in alignment and then you deal with that then but you can't like set yourself up for that for whatever you want not to happen the way that you want it to happen because then it won't happen yeah absolutely and it's so funny the way you describe that is exactly how labor is too <laughs> so like experience the birth on some level because it's really true it's like you have to be all in 100% commitment and you never know how it's gonna go you have to pivot you have to readjust you know and it's just, you know, like the parallels, it's just so beautiful because it really does mirror it. But um, yeah, thank you for saying that. You know, when I 
when I became a mom and I went through sort of this kind of dark tunnel, you know, I'd always wanted to be a mom, by the way. Like, this isn't like, oh, I, I was thinking about being a mom. I became one. It was surprising. It was like literally from five year old, years old, I was like, I can't wait to be a mom. So, I, you know, it, it was very shocking to have that experience of walking into motherhood and being super disillusioned, you know. And while I was kind of in that tunnel, I was kind of in that tunnel for about a year. I mean, I didn't really work for about a year. And that was also shocking because I had planned to go back to coaching, you know, three months after, of course. Um, but I, it was sort of like a mission. I, I had always been like a very committed coach, but then it was like, I was so mission driven after that happened. And it was like, okay, from here on out, I have to be 1000% honest and, and willing to say the things that no other mother will want to say, or no other woman will want to say so that I can provide that freedom for women because I was so desperately searching for it when I was going through my postpartum depression time. And, um, you know, cause I did have depression for like, you know, like the first four months was pretty deep and then it turned into anxiety. And then I was still depressed for quite a while. And I found my way out of that in so many different ways, but, um, you know, that I can speak to, but when I was there, it was like, there were so many mom groups and so many Facebook groups and places to talk, but I didn't feel like anyone was really talking about it. You know, it was like, no, I need everyone to really talk about how fucking crazy this is. I'm oh, sorry if I get cursed. Um, You're but, good. Okay. You got cool. the explicit on there. <laughs> okay. Um, it's just crazy, you know, and, and not everyone feels like that, you know, not everyone has that entry into motherhood, but the women who do really need that honesty because they need to be released from the shame. And that's what comes in is shame and guilt. Of, I can't appreciate, I can't appreciate in this moment that I have this beautiful new baby that's been handed to me. And of course we love that. But of course we're happy they're here. It's not like, you know, you don't have that, but it's, there's so much going on sometimes for the mother that if they don't have some sort of truth teller out there, then they just feel so alone and isolated. And then they go into survival and then that becomes the motherhood story for the rest of their life. So when I go into threshold specifically in my, in my retreat, that's what I'm really doing is I'm going back to when they crossed that threshold of when they decided how, or how they didn't decide basically how motherhood happened to them how they kind of went into a survival and then that became their um, their context and their conversation of what motherhood is. And I kind of want to go in and shake that up and give them more of a choice to say, no, it doesn't have to be that survival. It doesn't have to be. But first we need to go through and get really honest about what actually happened to you as a woman when you became a mother. So we go super deep, like the first two days of that retreat about just that. And then there's like the reclaiming process, which is so beautiful and powerful once it happens. So I have so many stories swirling around in my mind from clients that I have had. And so there's one of one of the stories is landing with me right now. And I want to bring it up to you because I've, I've heard multiple people share something like this. Um, and I'm, I'm just you're the perfect person to speak about this, too. So. I have worked with a few mothers who have given birth and had postpartum depression and compared their love for their child to either love for another child that they have had and feeling guilty for the love feeling different mm -hmm. or for an animal that they've had before. 
this one was in particular I have had I have a client that I work with and um, there's a lot of of I would say natural feelings of guilt that would come up about having lost a dog deeply like her story is very sad as she lost her dog of of many 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 years I think it was the same week that she gave birth to her son so there was like grieving that did not get to happen and then the birth of her child and then postpartum depression and then this confusion of like I want my dog back when really she felt she should have been focusing on the birth of her child so what would you say about making space for that kind of experience to happen and what is needed that women are often not giving themselves in that postpartum time? Oh God, I so, I so understand how that woman feels. Like, I mean, and I, I really hope she doesn't make herself feel silly about it. I mean, and that's the thing we do, we can do like, oh, how would I kind of feel like this about a dog and there's a human being, you know, but love is love and grief is grief. And that's the one thing I would say that women aren't getting the chance to do is grieving and grieving in a way that is a really positive way of grief. Um, and what, what I mean by that is just like the allowance of grief. The, the United States in particular is so weird about grieving. <laughs> in my, this of course is my opinion. Many United people, States. you know, I mean, as far as the culture, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, you know, because we're just a very much like pick yourself up by your bootstraps and mm-hmm. move on. And there's more to do and there's what's next. And, you know, it's an exciting part of living in our culture, too. And we don't have any real ritual around grief. They're coming back. And I see people bringing grief, grief rituals back. And it's actually like a cleanse. You know, like Americans love cleanses. <laughs> you know, like let's do a juice cleanse. Let's do, you know, and it's the same kind of thing. You know, to grieve is actually just to do a huge cleansing. But I think people are afraid of the dark, of the shadow side of what that means. And a lot of people aren't supported and held in that grief, which is one of the things I love doing with mothers is just saying, like, tell me more about, you know, like what happened? Why are you, why are you feeling that deep sadness and letting it be okay? Cause just most, like I said, like that woman, same story that you were telling was feeling, she was just feeling shame around like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, this baby's here. And I should be feeling like this. Mm-hmm. And those shoulds are killers because they don't actually let the truth of what needs to be present, be present. And for her, it sounded like she needed to grieve and how confusing, of course, when everyone around her is saying, oh, congratulations, you should be so happy. At least you have a healthy baby. All of the things that we hear when we have a baby. And I can resonate with that because when I had depression, I mean, postpartum depression, people would come over and hold the baby and say like, well, at least you have a healthy baby and that's all that matters. And I wanted to scream and just say, no, it's not all that matters. I am a mess and I feel scared and I'm lost and and it's not fair for you to say that. But I couldn't say that because I didn't have any um, reference point to know that that was okay. What did you crave for someone to say to you? I'm, I'm curious as, as someone that doesn't have a baby, instead of saying, well, you have a healthy baby, that's all that matters. What would you have wished someone to say to you in that time? You, 
You know, there was there were two women who who did come in my post birth time. One of them I hardly knew, which was so cool because she actually my my um, husband had taken her son out on a rite of passage uh, experience, and so she was just so grateful to my husband that when she heard I had a baby, she's, baby, she's like, I just want to come over and help you. And I was like, I'll take it. <laughs> Thank you. And she came over and she was so awesome. She was like this angel because she would say things like, isn't it crazy to just one day be you and then all of a sudden it's like your whole life is different? And when she said that, I was like, oh, yes, it is. It's so crazy thank you for saying that and then she just went there with me and that was so supportive and you know I just had a girlfriend who had a baby this last month and she had a beautiful birth experience and she's you know been really blessed out and there's been a couple days where she's like I'm crying I feel so vulnerable and and instead of saying like you know oh you know it's okay everything like that is is part of all of it I just said like, man, isn't it crazy to have your, like have like so much at risk now? Like there's so much to lose, right? She's like, yes. Mm. And people are afraid to say like, there's so much to lose because it's saying you could lose your baby. And people don't even want to say that. But there's these truths that come up when you become a mother that just are there through instinct or through love or through your heart being so cracked open that also need room and permission to be discussed. So I think, you know, if you were to see someone new with a baby or with a new baby, just saying, like, what are you experiencing, like, you inside right now? Because you're, like, a completely different person with this baby in your arms, right? Like, how does that feel? Mm, like just acknowledging the change what are you, and then asking questions about it. I love that. Yeah, just checking in with the mom around that because this is what, this is what my entire uh, stand is in my work is you did just go through a rite of passage, which is a conscious marking of great change. And so there's, if there's not space for that change and it's just all about like, cool, you checked off the box, you have a baby, uh, how's breastfeeding, which is a fine question too, you know, but like, it's like, who's checking in with the mom, you know? And sometimes I feel like that gets missed. And it's just, we're not, we're not really trained in or programmed in this uh, culture to really pay attention to that in such a big way. It's changing up a lot. There's a lot more coaches for moms now than when I had my first baby because I was looking for them and I couldn't find them. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like they're everywhere. And I'm like, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of moms that need help. So I with love, I love that you're talking about um, motherhood as a rite of passage and I'm wondering if you can slow down just a little bit more around this because one of the things you've mentioned of, of course is coaches and there are things like retreats and there are definitely things we can go do what about on the the day-to-day -day experience of the rite of passage like what does that look like for someone who has things they can go do or people that can hold space for them. But what about in the in-between moments when they're brushing their teeth and they're trying to get dinner ready and they're just trying to walk again, if that's something that they're struggling with, yeah. um, or just get their body feeling back like their body. How long does this rite of passage extend? And what are things that you would love for, for new moms 
or just mothers in general to be doing for themselves to make that experience more and more of a rite of passage and like a ceremony in a way. Yeah. Well, I love that you just said that (laughs) because I think ceremony is so necessary when it comes to this, but um, it's an interesting question to say kind of how long does it take because there really is no um, timeline. I mean, really, I believe it's kind of a lifetime thing, you know, being a mom, it's like every phase brings something different up in you. Um, I think by the time they're a little older, you you sort of get privy to that and sort of used to, okay, this is a new phase. Now they're five and okay, now this is, they're going to teenage years. And so it's like, you start preparing yourself for every one of those small thresholds. And, you know, the more conscious you are around the initial change of being coming a mother and a matriarch that you have, I feel like those thresholds are a little more manageable because you start recognizing, oh, okay, like I'm, I'm going through another shift and another phase and something within me is going to be called forward. It's like the biggest growth and development program you can ever join for free. You know? I love you just said that. I, I love that. I mean, that yeah. is a huge, that could be a huge reframe for people of thinking about this as like just this really massive, amazing, incredible deep dive into the growth land like they're just being put into this place of all these challenges and opportunities to grow and deepen who they are as a woman rather than feel like they're being taken away from who they are as a woman yes you know I have to say because of that I really respect women who make a conscious choice to not have children if that's what fits for them I know like sometimes as mothers we can be like oh but they're really missing out and you know like the love of a child there's nothing like it and I, I believe those things are true and like my sister decided not to have kids and I, I really respect where she came from there because it, it's, it is signing up for that for life and it's a big choice and I respect it so much more now and I really, before I had kids, I was like, I don't get why people wouldn't have kids. Now I understand. <laughs> not because it's hard, but because I, it's, a, it's you're signing up for something. It's a soul contract and you got to like live out that contract whether you like it or not. There's just no way out of that one. Um, you can choose to ignore it, but it'll still be in your life. So in some way in the back of your soul, you know? So I think, you know, a lot of the ways to answer your question um, that I, in retrospect, would recommend women just be with this transition is, you know, as much as possible to have a community of women you can be real with, you know, and, and, and to ask for that support in advance. One of the biggest challenges of this work I've been doing is to try to work with women before they have a baby. And there's so much resistance. I've not been able to really uh, tap into that, to that really? crap. Why? Yeah. It's so surprising. I think, well, I think when you're pregnant, um, there is something that you do have the rose colored glasses of just like feeling all of like the bonding and the, and the, and the hormones and like, um, like a lot of changes already happening on such a big level that I think maybe sometimes it might feel overwhelming to even admit that your life is going to change on that level. Cause you're already experiencing so much change within your body physically and within your own, um, limitations of like, slowing down and seeing you can't do as much as you did before, which is kind of a preparation for motherhood. Mm, And so I think there's some sort of, um, this is just a guess. I don't know. This is for sure. Um, but there's some sort of unwillingness to go there. And I feel like women are so much more willing once they have the baby because they understand now, 
oh, now I've crossed that threshold. I get it. There is an enormity to this identity shift that I couldn't comprehend when I was pregnant. Um, so it is my dream to be able to prepare women beforehand, but I don't know if I'll get that chance or not. Uh, so, you know, this is all a this is all a new thing for me as far as a learning curve too to see where I can reach women where they're concerns are where they're open, you know? Well, I think that would be an amazing gift, right? Like for someone to gift their best friend or their sister or something, um, like a session around this to prepare them like a two hour deep dive into what is to come, like something like this with you. Um, Mm -hmm. like that would be an amazing baby shower present. Like I just couldn't even imagine something better than that. Just yeah. a thought. Anyone else out there that's <laughs> thinking of something for someone? Um, but on, on this line, this is uh, the postpartum again, but I was speaking with you about this before we started to record. But I have a another previous client who in our time together, we started working together talking about her building a business and then she became pregnant. And so our shift totally focused to that. And Mm -hmm. there are many, I mean, she'd be just a great example for so many questions to ask you about of what we had worked through from the body image changing to her being a very, um, energetically very masculine like her whole business around is around being a woman who can do all these hard things fixing a car changing the oil building furniture like her a lot of her mission is to show women how to do these hard things that we typically ask someone else to do or hire someone to do oh that's kind of cool really awesome yeah and being pregnant there was this huge period where it led her into, of course, having to let her body change, Mm -hmm. then starting to let go a bit of being the one to do all the things and ask for help. Yeah. And that's something that we have been talking about a bit. And so I want to pass this over to you on. So being being in your feminine, the feminine is, is as much, you know, it's a very outward energy as well. The, the masculine is really the outward one. And um, the feminine is a lot around receptivity, receiving messages from the universe, receiving our own intuition, our own empathy, our own guidance. And I think in the same way, we receive as the feminine when we're really in our feminine, we learn how to receive. Yeah. And then being a mother, there must be a lot of challenges especially for women who put a lot of their identity in doing it all and then learning how to receive help and ask for help what do you think about that for people who struggle with asking for help and if you feel it's important to learn how to do this when you're a mother oh yes (laughs) it's an imperative skill I mean, it's funny because, you know, before I I coached moms, solely moms, I was um, a leadership coach for years, embodied leadership. I tutored under um, a great master in this work, Scott Cody, who worked for NASA and did all this amazing leadership work there. And um, I was in that world, you know, and one of the biggest things that I taught was how to make powerful requests. And I think that motherhood is probably one of the greatest areas of leadership you can explore, which is why it's so cool. It's such a cool crossover with, with the work I I've been doing my whole life with the coaching. Um, and one of the biggest things I can say that really supports you as a mother is to let go and ask for help. And it's hard because we feel as though we should be able to just do all of it. And there's this thing, this is woman, Alison Armstrong, I don't know if you've heard of her. She's one of my favorite 
I guess I could call her a gender guru. She's like, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, but like with a modern twist. And she talks about this a lot. You know, she talks about um, just how, uh, oh God, I totally lost my train of thought. That's another part of pregnancy. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, just as as a general rule with like asking for help, we really have to um, let go of that, that piece of us. Oh yes, that's what she says, that there's this ideal woman that's always walking behind us, uh, you know, and this happens whether we're mothers or not, that says you should be the perfect wife. You should be having more sex with your husband. That kitchen is really dirty. There's, you know, like all of the things that the, the women, the gatherer mind wants to really like harp on all the time. And that ideal woman also um, says you should be able to do this on your own. You should be a capable woman. You should be Martha Stewart, you know, and it just gets louder when you become a mother, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you have like, a lot of extra duties to embrace on top of what you were doing before. And then you still have her in your ear talking. And we all have one of these as a woman, you know? And um, when we are mothers and we don't allow for that support to come in, and I have so much compassion for for your client because pregnancy is such a natural ass kicker when it comes to the masculine energy. I, you know, like, it will just like teach you so much about letting go and releasing and surrendering because you're right. Our bodies literally turn into vessels that teach us about the feminine way. We can't move as fast. Our pace is changing. Um, there was a point about two and a half weeks ago where I just said to my husband, like, okay, I'm starting to feel myself as I knew me slipping away. And that was something I had an uh, awareness of because of the rites of passage work I've done and because I've had a child. And I know that this natural death comes in and the natural death is something I love exploring. And this is a huge part of rites of passage. Rites of passage is a death and a rebirth. So when I started feeling that a couple weeks ago, I said to him, I feel like I'm slipping away. I see you still doing all the things that you normally do at the pace you're doing and I see that I can't do that anymore. It's really hard for me. I'm starting to feel the grief around that. I can't be who I've been to our son right now. I can't wrestle him. I can't jump with him. I can barely play with him <laughs> the way he wants to play. Um, and I'm feeling a lot of frustration around that. And it was so amazing for me to be able to just place and name that. And so that's why I'm just really loving in on your client right now because if she's used to doing all of those things on her own and she's really used to like having that drive and I've traditionally had a very masculine drive as well it can be so disorienting for our bodies to slow us down to the pace that they slow us down and for our babies inside to be like whoa whoa this doesn't feel good now you're going to be nauseous or now you're going to be tired or now you're going to be in exhaustion for a day because you're still not listening to me and it's really powerful so I think that um, that continues on as you become a mother, the, the need to ask for help and to go at a slower pace. It's why I actually made a leadership program for women when I first started, or just for mothers, because I had been in leadership programs after having a baby and I just felt behind and like I was failing because I couldn't keep the same pace as these other entrepreneurs. And I was like, this sucks. I know I'm not failing. I just have a child and I can't do the way I used to do it. So that's why it was so important for me. I had women say, can I come into your program for your leadership program? Like, I'm so sorry. I just have to keep it to moms because I have to keep that safe space for them. Mm 
mm-hmm. to be moms doing that that level of work and for them to feel the you know not feel shamed if somebody can kind of push ahead because they have different time schedules it's literally that different you know sometimes and i don't want to say women can't do women with kids can't do the same thing women without kids can do they can and it, you know like i don't know why you would really want to keep that pace when you have kids it's it's challenging I think it's really beautiful to slow down and really great to have this new sense of how you move in the world with more efficiency and more alignment because that's what motherhood brought me. Like that's what is the most beautiful feminine gift in my experience uh, becoming a mother was efficiency in a new way and alignment. And basically they're tied together because I don't do anything now unless I'm aligned with it. Like even when you asked me to be on this podcast, I asked you a few questions just because I was like, okay, I really want to make sure if this is a podcast I'm going to be on, it's one that I really like and that I believe in and that she's behind. And you were. And I was like, okay, I'm in, you know? Mm. And so it, it really makes me think more about where I'm putting my time, how I'm delivering messages, who it's going to reach. And the fact that you work with mothers made me want to do it more. Because it's like, well, I really want mothers to hear what, you know, that there's a support out there. So I want to be choiceful. So it really kind of just, pairs things down to a simplicity. And for me, that's how the masculine went to the feminine in a big way. Things just got a lot simpler and I slowed way down. And it really sped me up in a new way too. It was really cool. It sounds like it encourages you to take your integrity more seriously. And in what you're saying about efficiency and alignment, because when you don't have another mouth to feed and take care of and watch over and and nourish and check in with and do all these different things, and you have all this time, it's easy to justify doing, you know, a million different things like here, there, everywhere. I can do all this. And mm-hmm. then having, gosh, this just life, really a life changing experience and giving birth to a child and then having to look at your commitments, look at how you live life, look at how you love, look at how you move, look at how you live inside of the one body you've been gifted. Everything Mm -hmm. changes. Everything changes. And what I love that you're saying here is that there's really a passage from the masculine to the feminine that happens through motherhood. And God, I just feel so nourished, like even hearing you talk about this perspective shift and seeing all the gifts within motherhood while still honoring all the hardships, not acting like it's not there. In fact, what you do is bring it in even more and say, yeah, let's totally shine a light on all the different things about motherhood that's very hard. And then also look at what these hardships and the challenges bring us that's actually quite beautiful. And Something that I can relate to without being a mother is thinking about this receiving help thing. And and the reason why a lot of us don't want to receive help or we want to prove that we can do whatever it is ourselves is because of the ego trying to say, I can do this. It's, it's all about me. It's like me, 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 me. Because if I can do this, it shows everyone else what I'm capable of and that I am separate and that I am um, proving my value as a human my worth. And so I imagine that going through motherhood and having to really come face to face with your desire to be seen as the one that can do it all or be it all and then break that story and say, I need help. It's, it feels freeing to me to even imagine that. And and without being a mother, I've had those experiences myself where I've had my own things happen with my teachers where um, I acknowledge their teachings rather than saying it came from me, which for me, it was a big ego 
shift instead of saying I have all the knowledge all the knowledge I've ever learned is straight from me giving Uh credit to all of my teachers and books and uh, mentors that have come into my life giving credit to all of them was a big ego blaster for me and it was so freeing I think those those moments where we really come face to face with what our ego is clinging on to and we do the thing that's actually right, true, authentic, real, our ego gets melted a bit and it feels like this weight has been lifted off of our shoulders. And I imagine in motherhood, having to ask for help and having to then learn, especially going against the grain in this society of being the kind of woman you want to be, because I'm sure society and the way society portrays motherhood so opposite than the way it actually goes and that's what contributes to all the guilt and shame so to all the women doing what they need to do saying no to things um slowing down more not keeping up with everyone else finding their own pace is that ego melter and it must be very freeing to then say you know what i'm gonna do this the way it feels good to me not the way it feels good to what society and the media is putting out there yeah, and it's and it is an everyday practice, and I love the I love how you shared your experience as well because I do feel like business is a, is a spiritual path, <laughs> big time. You know, I really feel like that is the truth for me, um, and I feel like motherhood's a spiritual path. You know, and a lot of different things we too. You know, like being a triathlete can be a spiritual path, but I feel like those two things have been my spiritual life. You know, just being in that game. And it, it all comes back to the same thing we started with. It's just trust. And I'm not going to sit here and say I have it figured out or I've learned to surrender. It is an everyday, gnarly mm-hmm. practice for me because I, I do have that masculine fire inside of me, which I love. It's super healthy. And I also have had to cancel you know, programs this year. I've had to cancel webinars. I've had to cancel things because – my body just wasn't up for it because I was pregnant or because it was just too much to do. I, I actually had mapped out my year for my business before I got pregnant and thinking like, oh, I'll probably be fine once I'm, pre- you know, I'm in a different place this time, you know? And then again, I forgot like, oh no, that's right. This is, <laughs> you can't hold as much. You're literally the space to create life. So creating a lot more than that is, it's an extra, and if you can do it, it's a bonus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's so easy. I, I definitely could have been guilty of getting the in comparison game of being like, well, she's pregnant, and she's killing it, and she's been touring all over the world. And But, you know, everybody has, like, a different way in which they feel fed and creative, and you don't – you have to really honor your own. So um, I'm glad you feel the freedom in that, even just listening, because – it, it that's that's sort of what I feel like we get to have be, have be the new conversation uh, for motherhood in this country. And I'm dying just to write a book on this so that the, the women know that there is a new conversation that's possible. And I, that's in my plans at some point. <laughs> mm, yeah. Oh, but, that'd be great. Yeah. And just to have that, that freedom of, um, of knowing that the permission is there. And it is, a, like I said, grief is a big piece of that because it is tricky for me sometimes to say like, oh, okay, well, I can't do what I thought I was going to do. And can I be okay with that? You know, what am I making that mean about myself? Um, why is it hard for me sometimes to sit still with my son because I'm still in this addiction to the busyness. What's coming up for me there, you know? 
And it's gotten in the second pregnancy a lot more apparent and a lot deeper. And I'm sure after I have a second child and I'm balancing that, more will come there too. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that what's really supported me the most is to be in that conversation of what am I grieving today? And how can I let this go? And is this an alignment for me to let go? And coming from a leadership background, it's it's a little tricky sometimes. So I'm like, okay, am I just not being committed? You know, am I not, am I having my reasons and my excuses right now? Or is this a real sensation, a real thing that is asking to be paused? And yeah. that that's a tough question too sometimes. I have to really sit with that and listen. So piggyba- piggybacking off of grief, um, I've got to ask you about your perspective on anger as well. Um, I just keep referencing different people that have reached out to me, but it's just because ah. I've been getting a lot of it this the past six months, I would say, just a lot of questions around this. And one thing I've heard from multiple people is um, one person in specific, I'll quote what she was saying, but she was saying that I am so scared to get mad at my children. I'm so scared to get angry at my kids. I'm so scared to be mad at being a mother and not enjoying it. I'm so terrified of entering into that land, even for a moment, of feeling hate, to be blunt, like just feeling hate and anger and frustration and fear. And so what I'm sensing in her story particularly is there is a rejection of that emotion, which you being a coach, you know what that leads to. Uh Um, But I am just curious on how you would say anger, hate, frustration, fear, all of those um, emotions that are the layer above grief, because grief is always underneath all of that. But those different um, sensations that come up in motherhood, how do you invite people to make room for that, especially when there's guilt that comes up with feeling angry? Yeah. Oh, great question. So I would say the sister to, to grief is self-forgiveness, if you're going to have a, a healthy relationship with motherhood. Um, and I can so relate to the anger conversation. I mean, I do have so much, I, I, especially when I first had my son, you know, I remember we had like this reunion of our birth class and, and this was like a really kind of cool conscious like woman leading this birth class. And she was like, what, you know, asking us, what has your experience been since your birth? And in that moment, I kind of just was like very honest and said, I'm pissed. (laughs) And she just was like, so awesome about holding that for me. I was like, I'm so angry that everything I feel I bought into was a hoax. And, you know, like, I don't know if I feel that way now, but that's how I thought in the moment. Like, I was such a stand for home birth. I was such a stand for for doing it this way. They told me it was going to look like this. I had all these expectations, and it was a crock. You know, but I mean, the key word there is expectation. I had all these expectations on one of the most unknown, mysterious spiritual journeys, which is birth. You know, and I was trying to control that because I wanted my expectations fulfilled. But regardless, I didn't know that at the time. I was just angry. And I was I was so upset that when I came home from the hospital and I showed my baby his new home, I felt sick when I walked into my house and I felt sad walking into like the room I was birthing in and just it, it made me feel um, just really sad. And I was like, man, I didn't want to bring my, my son home to a, a place where I feel haunted you know 
Like these were all things that happened to me that just made me feel furious. And it was so, there was so much shame in expressing that anger. But when, once I started to, of course, we know, you know, this is a coach, it started to dissipate. And I think you're right. It is that repressed feeling. And the, but also, like, not there's no safe place for mothers to say, I'm pissed and angry about True. how this turned out, you know? Or I'm, I'm pissed and angry that my son is, is being such a jerk right now. And I know that, like, I should, I should have the parenting tools and I should go back and learn how to parent better or take a class or do whatever I need to do. But you know, right now I just feel helpless and like I'm failing, which I've still been there. My son is like full on. He's like the most spirited, incredible child. And he's larger than life, you know, and he came here to be my teacher about surrender from the birth on, you know, and I'm so clear on that now that he's my like surrender baby and I love him for it. You know, he brought in all that medicine for me. Um, and it, there are times where I'm just like so angry. So over the course of the last three years that his, he's been alive on this planet, one thing I've had to really um, marry with the anger is forgiveness. And I think there's a place where women are afraid to go there or to be angry with their child. Not so much just because they don't want to scare their child or have a bad relationship with their child. They don't want to have that bad relationship with themselves. They don't want to hate themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big reason they get scared. Because it's like, if I let that anger out, I'll never forgive myself. I'm a monster, you know? And I remember, gosh, it was maybe the beginning of my pregnancy. My, my husband was gone. I had the flu. My son had just had the flu. We were alone. He wasn't sleeping. I couldn't sleep. And I remember in the middle of the night, he was just like, I, you know, like, I want this. I want that. And I was like, just go to sleep. Just go to bed. Just please go to bed. And I yelled at him like that. And I walked out of the room into the kitchen and started sobbing and just kept saying out loud, I'm a monster. I'm a monster. I mean, I was literally just acting from instinct of my body has reached its max of no sleep. I'm so tired. I have life inside of me, life outside of me. I have no support in the middle of the night right now. And I am human. But I went to, I am a monster. And I felt bad about it for days and days and days. And I think that's what we're fearing the most. And I had to forgive myself. And there's days that I wake up, you know, I didn't have to. But I knew that the only way out was, can I forgive myself for having been that exhausted, that tired, and in that moment, unsupported? You know? And it happens over and over and over again in motherhood where we can get to that place. And we, if we don't allow ourselves to be honest and truthful about what we can actually hold as a human woman, uh, then it doesn't really give us the room to, to be in the anger. And the anger is healthy. And then when we give permission to the anger, we usually can do that in a healthier way or a healthier space versus having it come out on the kids. But if we're holding that in, you know, then it, it'll come out even if we don't want it to. And then it comes back to us being upset with ourselves. So it's, I, I don't know, that's for me, the cycle that I've seen. And so um, I've had days where I've woken up and I'm just like, you know, being pregnant just recently, just like, I really don't 
want to deal with my son this morning. He's going to come and try to jump on my stomach and wrestle me. And, and I'm so tired of it. I'm defending my poor baby already. And she's not even out of this <laughs> womb. And, and I'm, I'm just annoyed. And then I have that moment where I'm like, oh, God, that's horrible to feel that way about my son. And then I was like, you know what? I'm human. I'm just going to let it be there. And I've learned to just say, okay, I've, it's okay. I forgive myself. That's, I'm just tired of that today. It doesn't have to mean anything about how much I love my son. So it's really the connections and the stories and the belief systems that you're creating as a mother, all of those different webs of connection that are supporting that fear of letting that anger out. Um, yeah. I, I guess that's the best way I can explain it for me personally. It was, that was perfect because you just gave an example of what happens, like what actually happened to you. I love that you just provided that example and what it looks like basically in a recap of just feeling what comes up for you, acknowledging it, making room for it, forgiving yourself for it. And for everyone listening to this, this is definitely a process. This is something that happens where you're going to experience something that's probably going to set you off and make you angry. And then it doesn't mean that you don't that you now skip all the other parts because you didn't do it right. No, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And then go into the next step, go into the self-forgiveness. And I love that you pointed out that that's really what people are afraid of is that period of them having to decide that they're going to forgive themselves. Yeah. Makes me really think like, I wonder what it is that is so like the anger isn't even the scariest part. It's the part after of self-forgiveness. What is it about forgiving ourselves that makes us want to run away like forgiving ourselves is such a it's a decision it's a decision and and like being the one to say no one else is gonna do it I have to forgive myself I can't rely on dad to forgive me I can't rely on my son to forgive me I have to forgive myself it's very confronting it's very deep and that is that's probably some of the most deep work you'll do but then it carries you over into so many other instances with business ventures and friendships and all the other places where you have to forgive yourself. So I'm sure motherhood in that sense gives you this opportunity to really step into the land of self-forgiveness day after day after day. And then that serves you just as a human and all these other aspects of life. Yeah. And you know, I just want to give moms listening like a couple of tools for that, which is just, you know, um, there's two things that you can really look toward. One remembering that your child is also human and that we don't really give them as much credit as we think. Uh, and, and by that, I mean, I've, I've lost it and my, my husband's lost it. And we've come back to our son and been like, you know, I just want to come over and apologize. I'm so sorry because I felt really angry and upset that, you know, you were asking for that or you ran out in the street and scared mommy. And I got upset and I don't want to yell at you about that. But even though it's not okay, I don't want to yell because that's not how I want to talk to you. He gets it. Like when we say stuff like that, he gets it. It's amazing to watch them. And then, and then like an hour later, they're like, okay. You know? <laughs> like they're so resilient. They don't hold grudges in the way we hold it against ourselves. Mm. And then the other tip is just, you know, always looking at all needs met. If you're constantly yelling at your kids day after day after day, it's really good to kind of step back and say, okay, what is going on? with me that I don't have the space right now. Do I need support? Do I need a little parenting help? Sometimes I seek that out, you know? Um, Do I need uh, just like, God, a day away? 
I mean, my tanks were, were super empty last week when my husband left. He was leading a retreat. I was covering. And then I came back and I got to go to my blessing way, uh, baby blessing in, in L.A. with all my girlfriends. I came back. I was like mother of the year that week. You know, this, since that I came back. It literally took a day for me to feel good, like even to, up till today. I'm feeling like I feel so full. I can totally be here with my son. Mm. So all needs met. All needs met and trusting your children can be a really great way to really just take a look at, all right, why am I in this space? Because when we're trying to take it all on and we're blind to that and we keep say we keep getting into patternings maybe of people pleasing or saying yes to things we don't want to say yes to and having that ideal woman running our lives instead of rising above her and going into human spirit of like, what is me as a, what do I as a human need right now? Then we don't really get the, you know, like that's what really allows us to say, all right, now I have the space to not be that angry person because I'm filling my tanks to the necessary levels. And I always know if I'm like yelling at my son, we're having a bad weekend, it's because I'm empty. I'm, it's, it never fails. And I, then I have to talk to my husband or I have to ask my parents for some support or I have to hire a babysitter or whatever it may be. What I, you know, and for those women who don't have that kind of support, either of those three, when I first had my son, it was literally about just having 10 minutes a day outside to do nothing. And I would let my mind wander and I would let myself sit in peace for 10 minutes. I wouldn't meditate. I wouldn't do anything. I just sat there and sometimes I would talk to the trees or just look at the clouds pass and just be. And that would actually give me enough to make it through my day. It's mm -hmm. sometimes it's so little. But that's what gives us the space to forgive, you know, because when we are just in it and we're going and we're going and we're trying to make it work and trying to make it work, we're trying, we're trying, we're pushing, we're pushing. It's, there's never going to be a good recipe of success there as far as how we want to feel as mothers or women. Yeah. And I want to second that 10 minutes a day doing nothing. That is such a revolutionary concept for so many people. Yeah, I, I did that this past week. There was a, a point where my my mind was just racing and racing and racing, and I was trying to read a book. Then I was trying to answer emails. Then I realized like none of these things I would actually be able to do fully. I couldn't read my book fully because my mind was elsewhere. Like I just kept reading the same sentence over and over again. I couldn't r like write these emails with love because I was full of ang anguish, really. So mm -hmm. I put everything away and I lied on my couch. I held my dog and I stared at the microwave for probably nice. <laughs> 20 minutes and it was just designated allowing myself to feel and also to think like it sometimes there's definitely a place to let your brain just go crazy if it needs to but I just lied still and I just let everything circle and and in its own way it was released because it had designated time for that and then I meditated later but I wanted just like this actual space just for that mm. and it's great like it's great and I'm not a mommy and I still need that. So I, if like, yeah. mommy's out there, definitely need that. Need that time. So I love that you gave that tool. That's well, great. One. Yeah, and uh, holding the dog is like the, the big one on there mm -hmm. because dogs are so grounding. It's actually, totally. they compared petting your dog to some, I can't remember the statistic it was. It was like, it's like the same as like 30 minutes of therapy. It's just like, it, it calms and centers your body in like a really profound way. So yeah. Such good healers in that way too. So before we go on over to the divine deep dive round, where can people connect with you online? Yeah, it's pretty simple. I'm at, on Instagram a lot at Carrie Azuma, and um, 
I love doing Insta stories. If you guys want to, that's, that's my jam. I love kind of, uh, doing little tidbits during the day, but, um, also Facebook, Carrie Azuma, uh, and CarrieAzuma.com is a website. Everything's quite easy. And for Threshold, um, it is on my website, but also it's just, uh, it's linked everywhere onto my Instagram and Facebook. So, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much how I love when people reach out to me. Uh, so please don't be afraid to do so, especially at Facebook messenger. I get a lot of reach outs. I, I always respond. So uh, please do. Um, yeah. Cause I just, I really, you know, as much as I, I like work with the shadow of motherhood, I also love to just highlight the beautiful sides of motherhood as well, um, especially on social media. And that's one thing I have to say I actually love, 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 love about what happens to women after, what happened to the women after they did Threshold was just how when they returned home, how much space they had to love their kids and like really feel like Mm -hmm. the mothers they wanted to be. That for me is like the whole purpose of journey was like, how can we play with the shadow so that we can really just let those things have their context and their place and their support so that we can be so in love with being moms. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a great, it's such a great exploration. Beautiful. I will have those links on the show notes to this episode, of course. Awesome. And so for today, I'm doing something a little different for the Divine Deep Dive round. I was listening to a podcast by this guy named Brian Reeves. And I'm taking it from him. <laughs> he does something called the five keys. And I listened to an episode he just did with John Wyland and I loved it. Um, he had five really great questions. I normally ask like just random, but pretty deep questions for this. But he has these five that he uses. So totally giving credit to him for these. Okay, <laughs> number one. So we covered a lot of different things in this interview, obviously. But if you could summarize, this is all, almost like the hardest question. If you could summarize mm-hmm. what one key insight you want everyone to take away from motherhood being a rite of passage, what would that one key insight be? Oh, you're right. That is hard. It's so hard. I know. <laughs> it's the hardest I, one of all these questions. I would say um, to honor to honor who you've been and who you've become, you know, I mean, it's really simple, yeah. but to make, to just make space for it and to be supported in that. I love it. Beautiful. Okay. Who is a key woman to learn from? Who is someone either who has greatly impacted you or someone that you just really admire is doing wonderful work in this world that you invite others to go check out? Mm. There's two that come to mind. Can I say two? Two is great. Yes. <laughs> okay. I've, I've been loving Peta Kelly, um, who is just like such an awesome mother and businesswoman. She wrote a book called Earth is Hiring, and I, I just mm-hmm. love it. So she's, she's so funny and so light, and I love what she brings to the conversation of the, of the divine feminine and motherhood. So she's awesome. Very fun. And then my my girlfriend Alexi Panos, who is a, a yes. beautiful coach, yeah, and she's she's a girl, good good friend. She's the one who hosted my Blessing Way, actually. I've just so admired her, just realness. I mean, I don't even know how someone who's so talented and so beautiful could also be so authentic and just so real about you know her own journeys and motherhood and 
and I feel have been very supported by the way she's shown up in um, being of service and being a mother. So I, she rocks. Uh, you know, I would so recommend people just follow her and check her out. She's so. Mm-hmm. in love with people and serving people. I've had her on the podcast, actually. So if anyone wants oh. to listen, maddiemoon.com slash Alexi dash Panos. And that was before I think she was even officially married. So it was a while ago. Wow. Um, probably should have her back on to talk about motherhood because that would be great <laughs> to listen to. But she, yeah, she's amazing. I love her. Okay, number three, what is one key resource you want to pass on to people? And this can be either um, an inspiring book, a podcast you love to listen to, a documentary anything like that? Ah, uh, oh, <laughs> so again, so many. Uh, you know, the fir- obviously the first one that came to mind was um, Sarah Peck. She has a podcast called Startup Pregnant and it is a really cool podcast. I love her interviews um, and she is really just focused on mothers and entrepreneurship and she keeps it so real. I actually interviewed for her podcast, but she had a second baby, so it's airing like a year and a half later. But um, but she really, I, I love, I don't know, there's something about her that I just really love as far as her, the way she holds the motherhood conversation mm. and the real talk, so. Oh, I love it. I love it. I'll check it out. That sounds great. Okay, two more. What is a key, what, what is the best key investment you've made in the past year, something that is under 10,000? Mm. Well, gosh, that's a great question. Let me think of which one I'm going to pick here. <laughs> um, well, you know, I, I, my life is so heavily influenced by the, the ceremonies and the kind of the indigenous uh, work that I participate in. So, I could talk about that, but I, I would say that something that feels more accessible for people is I actually did um, Alexi Panos and Preston Smiles Leadership Extreme course, and it was really, really life-changing. And it, I, I don't know, it, it took off pretty much every single mask that I was hiding behind. And it was when I was starting to work on conception, and they... I felt like I had to go to that before I could even have this baby be in my life because it just taught me so much about who I am as a leader again. And like I said, you know, leadership is my jam. So I feel like that next to, and they're tied with my mentor, Scott Cody's program, um, Art of Leadership Mastery. I, I, this is one of the best leadership programs I've ever done. And it's three days and totally affordable for what they do. I can't even believe what they charge, to be honest. Great. <laughs> so, yeah, they, it, I highly recommend that one for everybody. You'll you'll get to see how you show up in the world and just like come out guns a blazing. It's really great. Okay, I've done a workshop with them before and it was beautiful. I loved it. They're amazing. Just their presence is so yeah, so healing. It's like you yeah. feel really safe with them. They're great. Yeah. Um, okay. Last question is: What is one key practice, a seven day challenge that all the women listening? and men, anyone listening, um, can do over the next seven days, something to try? Mm. Oh, well, I guess we already talked about the 10 minute one. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Uh, I mean, that one's a great one. Um, let's see. What are some of my favorites? Um, well, I would say, uh, I would say for mothers, some sort of, um, something like the 10 minute one, 
but even just expanding it out, like I have a lot of my, my clients do a half hour of that and it's so uncomfortable for them, <laughs> like really uncomfortable for them. Um, and I, I mean, I think just being able to sit and do nothing for seven days straight for a, a timed amount of time is super profound. So, I mean, I kind of know, I kind of just want to like have that be the one for, especially for moms, like, for guys too. I mean, it really does set a con uh, interesting context. I also like encourage people, uh, to do, I, I know we get really bogged down in being in routine, you know, like having something be routine and a practice every day. And I think there's a lot of value in that, but I also encourage men and women to wake up and say, what is what is the deeper listening of the spiritual practice I need today and practice that for seven days, just practice a deeper listening. Mm -hmm. Cause I think one of the things that I see that is a huge block of the moms I work with is they don't listen. They don't listen to themselves. They doubt and question everything. And they are always, I mean like we're built in with an inner GPS system to keep our children alive there's so much wisdom in our bodies. It's crazy. So really touching in and finding a way to just sit. I do it by sitting in front of my altar, lighting a candle with, before I was pregnant with like a cup of cacao, setting the intention to just listen. What wants to be born in me today? How, what would you have me do today, spirit? Like, what would you have me do? And, and just listen and see what your body says. And really listen to that inner wisdom. I, I think that's such a beautiful practice to always employ. Mm -hmm. Gorgeous. I love it. I think that's so key for anyone in any stage of life um, to listen to that inner knowing of what is coming up for me today. It could be different from yesterday. It could be different from tomorrow. Like you said, like sometimes it's really great to have that discipline. Like I know I have to have that around my meditation because it's not something that beforehand I'm like, that sounds fun. But <laughs> there are some days where I'm absolutely craving reading a fiction book in the morning instead. And I only have 20 minutes. So I mm -hmm. lean into that instead because that's what love I need it. and I feel it. So Beautiful. I mean, I love those questions. They're really great because it gives all these other tools for people to go yeah, into. And yeah, those are great. I was listening. I was like, I'm going to totally ask these. They're wonderful. So Carrie, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and sharing all of this incredible insight and wisdom and knowledge and everything mm -hmm. you have to offer is I'm sure life-changing for every woman that you come into contact with. So I encourage everyone to go check out all of your links and your programs and your retreats and your all the goodness that you're up to on Instagram. And just thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. It's been such a, such a treat. I loved your questions. And I love the way you have such a beautiful compassion for motherhood. Like, I, I really want to honor that in you, actually, just the way you even talk about your clients who are moms. And you just sound like you care so deeply. So it's been really a pleasure getting to know even that part in you. So thank you. Thank you. I really, I really appreciate that. That is a, a new compliment directed to me. So thank you. I get a, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do love mothers. <laughs> thank you. Everyone, this is episode 243 of the podcast. So you can go on over to maddiemoon.com slash Carrie with a K dash Azuma to get all of the links and to get the notes of what we discussed. And I hope this served you, whether you are a mother or you are not a mother, because 
because there's so many nuggets of wisdom in here that we can use at any different stage of our life. So let us know your thoughts by commenting on the post for this on, or head on over to Instagram where you can comment on the post with the image of Carrie on it and let us know what you learned and what you loved. We'll see you next week. Bye.